Yeah, I mean, it's brutal where like everyone else on the call just thinks you're crazy because you're talking about people sounding garbled when, you know, <gasps> as far as I can tell, everyone, everyone sounds fine. Everyone sounds fine. And I thought, especially with Andre, um, week before last, where, I mean, obviously it's such a weighty subject. It was really just, and we were having him, you know, stand on his head and everything to sound less garbled when I think it was actually. <laughs> right. Turn the Wi-Fi on. Turn it <sighs> off. Right. I know. The, I, we, um, so we have been actually to revisit just a, a brief old favorite. Uh, have you been watching any of the dropout? We, we've talked a little bit about this. No, no, no. I know. I know. I need to. Oh, but I have not God, yet. it's so good. It's so good. I. It is so good. And I know parts of it are fictionalized, but they have been fictionalized so deliciously and so plausibly that it's just it's great. You've got to watch the dropout. But the dropout is on Hulu. Hulu has a lot of problems. And much to my, and especially my 14-year-old, whom I'm watching the dropouts, chagrin, many of the Hulu problems can be solved by power cycling the television. Yeah, exactly. And so, and of course, in the modern day, turning the television off does not power cycle the television. That merely, like, turns off the screen, right? It's like... No, right. You got to go to the corner to the pole. Totally. Exactly. So, and of course you do this and then, and uh, it's, it's, it's kind of disgusting that all this works. Anyway, I wish you didn't have the power cycle. So many things I, I'm, I'm embarrassed. We haven't arrived yet. No, no. I mean, I, I, I've even got it worse with the unforgiving four-year-old, uh, you know, when the audio cuts out from Netflix inexplicably and you're like, let me just go to the breaker to turn off the TV. Uh, not, not a lot of forgiveness there. But what are we teaching our children? We're teaching our children to reboot it. We're not teaching our children to debug it because I can't. It's a very... Yeah. A disturbing lessons. Disturbing lessons. Um, but so we, I mean, like with many things DST, we got on this when we were very hot on this subject. And now, <laughs> and, and now like time has faded. You're like, oh, what's that a couple of weeks ago? Well, right. But I think we got here because I was uh, having a hard time waking up my teenagers post-DST. So Daylight Savings Time started, what, two weeks ago now in the U.S. And in 2007, Daylight Savings Time was moved to start earlier and end later. Which, if you are a parent of children, I think this is, I think this is brutal. I think, I think... The, the week ago, whatever it was, two weeks ago, I think that's the hardest week of the year for a parent. But Adam, do you not agree with that? Did you not have a hard time waking your kids up? No, I, I mean, I did have a hard time. Uh, I mean, just getting our act together for uh, for T-ball and then for high school the next day. Yes, hard. Um, but I, when I saw the uh, the you know legislation passed in the Senate, I got excited, not because I am a DST fan or a Standard Time fan, but just a, you know, pick one and stick with pick it. Pick one and stick with the Fed. Okay, so so your view on this is just like, I want to stop changing every year. That's right. That's and right. I am willing for the sun to get up at basically like nine in the morning um, in exchange for not having to change time. Yeah, pretty much. And I guess I, I value afternoon, evening suns. I always find like the, the winter to be pretty bleak, like... I remember many, many times, like, you know, stomping home on uh, public transit, um, you know, not that late in the evening and having it feel pitch blackout. So, yeah. Okay, but now, now Maybe it, I am a DST fan. You are. You're a DST maximalist. I mean, it, <laughs> but right. it's going to be, I mean, it's one thing to be like, oh, you know, I was never so into mornings to begin with, so it'll be fine. But, like, this is going to be, like, the sun will not get out, even where we are. We're not that far north. So, in the San Francisco Bay Area, whatever we're, 37 degrees, whatever it is, I mean, the sun won't get up until 830 in the morning. On, I mean, that is no, I, I, no, I, I, I'm, I get it, and I'm with it, and, and uh, I think, I think it might have been Tom Lyon actually, who I see here on the call, who, who had tweeted out something like, "Hey, didn't we try this in the '70s?" And they tried it for one year, and then everyone lost their minds and got sick. Yeah, of it. And, and and I could clearly imagine how that's happening. Like a bunch of DST fans are turned into seasonal affective. Well, and so I am half convinced, or maybe even three quarters convinced, that. Most of the country thinks that daylight savings time creates daylight. Okay. That's I think that people are thinking like, no, like the legislation that the Senate is considering is, should we have year-round summer? 
That is what we're actually considering. <laughs> and I think should we do the opposite to fight global warming? <laughs> right. I don't know. I think it would be lovely to have the sunset at eight thirty p.m. on Christmas Day. And it's like that's not what it is. That's not where we are on the sphere, folks. I mean, I, I, I so that I find uh, I, I don't think people are kind of like thinking it through. That's just what's driving me nuts. That's, that I, seems I mean, like I count myself among them. That seems like the only explanation as to why why not go for standard time, right? Is this idea that you're creating daylight like uh, that? I don't understand. Unless it's just like a desire to be different from the rest of the world, why not just go for standard time? Right, exactly. Because what you're basically saying is, look, when time zones were created, it was just like an off by one error. They got everything. And it's like, <laughs> I, I don't really buy that. You know, I, I don't. So, and, and I'm with you also like that solar noon is at one. Like, I, like I get it. I'm not, I'm not that into that. That's fine. So, okay. So and I, like the cha- I get it. Like changing it kind of sucks. I think that standard time, and I get that, you know, standard time, the knock on standard time is that in northern latitudes, the sun is going to get up like hella, hella early. I mean, it is going to be a very, very early sunrise, right? It'll be a whatever it'll be. I think right now the sun gets up at like 530 in the morning where we are on the summer solstice. So, okay, a 430 a.m. sunrise, I'm with you. I kind of think that like shifting the clocks is not a bad compromise, unfortunately. Hold on. I know. So you're, I know. You, yeah. you, I mean, but but even just like the the you know from the software perspective, like how how nightmarish is daylight savings time? I think it's crazy. Okay, but from the software perspective, aren't we? Isn't the best change from the software perspective no change? Isn't I mean, we did this because I I would actually love to hear from people who were on the front lines in. Uh, 2007, when DST was the DST changes were deployed, because I know that broke a lot of shit. Um, and I feel like I was kind of off the front lines at that point. I don't think you and I really had to deal with that. No, we we both were sort of like glad it's not me. I think on this, in that all this antique software that that uh, isn't being updated or whatever suddenly needs to be updated if anyone's running it anywhere. Um, you know, or else you're you're manually changing the time or whatever. Wait, so I think the DST was worse than Y2K. So I do think it's worth talking a little bit about Y2K because I think that that was a. Because uh, Adam, were you at Sun for? No, you were not at Sun for Y2K. No, okay. no, 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 no. I was so I was still in college for Y2K, and I got to say, for, from the perspective of a computer science student who thought he knew everything, like many computer science students do, I thought, you know, what's the big deal here? Like 2038 is going to be a big deal for sure. Uh, and I still I think that. Like that. Yes. Um, but um, but I don't know. I was like, how much software is storing uh, dates in two-digit decimal? And and of course, the answer is a lot, a decent amount. Although you know, our problems, our Y two K problems, our most acute Y two K problem was not a two-digit problem; it was a leap year problem. Oh, it miscalculated the the staff of raw kind of like you know <laughs> add one subtract one unless it's this <laughs> you know it's not it, it is not the staff of raw I do not feel it is that it is that complicated but the it, so the rule is that a we have a leap year I mean and the fundamental fucking problem is that that we I, the the amount of time it takes our little sphere to take a lap around the sun is not an even multiple of the number of, of laps we take and the, the number of times we, we this, this sphere spins around, which is very problematic. It is really, 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 really annoying. Okay, but it's worse than that, Brian. It, it's not constant either. Okay, we, leap seconds, we are coming for you later, leap seconds. So don't worry, we are coming for leap seconds. But the, that's right, it's not constant either. But so this is a very, like, this is a very pesky and annoying problem. Every four years, we inject a day to we we inject February 29th to kind of make up for it, but as it turns out, that's not totally correct. And what it's it's the, the that's the Julian calendar. The Gregorian calendar is the observation that like no, no no that's not totally correct, and it's almost correct but not quite correct. And every 100 years, you've got to take that day back. So every four years is a leap year, except for every hundred, which is not a leap year. Okay, except for every 400, which is a leap year. So, 
1,600, 1,200, and 2,000 are leap years. They have February 29th. And we had a lot of software that was keyed off of 1,900. So it incorrectly said that 2,000 was not a leap year. Which, I don't know. Is that surprising? I, I'm not sure if that... I, it was surprising to me that, like, how would you encode the kind of, like, the, like the first rule and then, like, the kind of, like, the subtle rule, but then not the other, the third... You're like, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure that's enough. Like, right, why, exactly. why does this document keep on going? It's like, okay, well, I got, it's like, no, no, there was another page. Did you got to go to, like, what do you mean another page? Whatever, whatever. <laughs> it's quitting time. Right. It's like you're getting out of the exam. Like, what did you get for problem six? It's like, there wasn't a problem six. It's like, uh, no. There was, <laughs> Oops, right. So, yeah. And so, in particular, have you ever used the at command? Yeah, for sure. Okay, someone was asking earlier, like, what's the oldest piece of software you use? Do you actually, wait a minute, do you actually use the app command? No, have I used it? Okay, yes. that's better. Do right. I use it? Okay. No, because I feel like <laughs> I know enough to get a directions away from it. Like, I feel like every <laughs> every document, of, like, describing at is like, you, you should not use this. Like, this is unsafe at any speed. Uh, if you're considering it, consider something different. And and I've read on and then not used it in anger. I've been like, oh, what's this? I, well, that is you're, – you're very wise because the at command – in particular, the at command like tries to be friendly in some strange ways. So at is a command that allows you to run a job. They say at a specific time, but it's like, eh, it's not a specific time because you've got all these ways of expressing time relatively. So you can say, I would like to run this a month from now. It's like, well, all right. What does a month from now mean if you're on the 31st day of a month? Like, what does that mean? But you, you, is a month from now, is that on the, the, there is no 31st day of the next, or if there is no 31st day of the next month, um, if it's January, what does that mean for February? And in particular, we had a Y2K problem that if the, the, the Y2K bug only service in one command, the at command, if you use this weird plus what n month syntax and you ran that on the 29th day of one of the days in 1999 so january 29th february uh, uh, march 29th and so on one of those 11 days and your target day was february 29th of 2000 which did exist because it is a leap year the it would run it on March first, like that was the bug. Like irrespective of when you like, whether it was November or no, December, no, 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 no. That that might be a legitimate bug. This is like you are on. It is it is only if you have the intent of running it on. So in other words, if you uh, uh. you have to be running this on December twenty ninth. Running at plus two month to denote, like, I want to run this in two months, your at job. Instead of running on the correct day of February 29th, it would run it on March 1st. Gotcha, gotcha. Which, to me, I tried to explain, this feels, I mean, does that feel likely for someone to hit that? Uh, pretty remote. <laughs> yes. I would say exceedingly remote. I'm like, you've got to use this like weird syntax that you've got to have that has like already semantics that are like murky. And as you say, like, I'm already got the sense that I shouldn't be using at at all. You're using it at the end of the month, which you should be doing. You're doing it on the 29th day, a day that doesn't exist in all months. You are targeting this. In the, so anyway, I thought it was super weird. But everyone was so fucking terrified of Y2K that we destroyed all of the CDs we'd made for Solaris 7 over this. Nuts. And this was the release that you were yes. the, the tech. Uh, yes, the, the uh, right, exactly. Yeah. So, I, so I feel it is like my job to inform the rational decision, which I did not perform. I, I, like, I, <laughs> I, I failed because I'm like, I, and I have this like long email explaining just how impossible it is for effectively someone, and because again, you have to run this on one of these th these eleven dates in 1999, and we were already at that point, like past a couple of them. <laughs> so it's like there are only like the, the four days left that you have to run it on the brand new operating system. Anyway, I lost. 
they decided they were too scared and they destroyed all the CDs. Several hundred thousand dollars of the CDs were destroyed and then we fixed the bug and they repressed them. So that is, and so that is the peril I think of like you start, and that's not with the calendar changing. That is just, and I think that we only saw this because people were so dialed into Y2K, which then effectively fizzled. I think when the calendar starts changing and I, I'm hoping that somebody's got some, uh, yeah, Matt, I know your hand went up, Jason, your hand up. Matt, I don't, Matt, do, do you have a, a DST story? I'm sure there, there I, I know there were a bunch of them out there. I, I do. I also actually have a Y2K. Anecdote. Oh, good. Go for it. So um, <clears throat> I'll do the Y2K anecdote first. Um, in January of 2000, I was uh, emailing back and forth with someone who, for whatever reason, was using the Elm email client. And uh, I, I, I don't know if he was even using the latest version of elm at that time or he might have been using the version that was available on his shell account at his internet service provider um but uh this this email client would uh, uh format the date header with a two-digit year and the way that it did it was by subtracting uh 1900 from the actual year so when year 2000 came around I got to see year 100 in the date header of this guy's messages. And was this discovered before Y2K or was this only on January 1st, 2000? That this is. I only found out about, well, I, I, I never researched. I, I never looked at like, uh, uh, well, th- this being 2000, I, I don't know if Elm had a bug tracker, but I didn't look at mailing list archives or anything. I just, I just observed it and said, well, if this is the worst that Y2K brings us, we did pretty well. That's an actual Y2K bug in the wild post 2000, which I feel was like that's pretty hard. That's, that's pretty well, hard. like I, like I said, he might have he or his his ISP might have been using an old version of the client to begin with. Now, now I do want to research that bug and see. I wonder if they've still got archives of of old. I'm sure somebody still has archives of old versions of Elm. And we uh, could probably, we could, I will, if if I really wanted to, I could bisect and see when yeah you know, when the bug was fixed, if it ever was. I will tell you that Elm Y two K problem definitely has hits. You can definitely see this problem in a lot of folks hitting it. So yeah. Now, uh, do you do you want me to go ahead and get into my uh, DST story? Yes, please. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so uh, this this was a few years ago, so I don't remember all of the details now. I remember fixing it late on the Saturday. Well, I remember looking at it at least and, and, and you know, working around it late on the Saturday night that, uh, that, that we have transitioned off of daylight saving time. So um, I was respond. I, I had developed a, uh, a web application that uh, connected to a third party service uh, on behalf of the user and authenticated uh, with that service using OAuth, and we we had a cron job that would periodically connect to uh, to the service to to pull new pull new data, and um, as you may know, OAuth at least in some implementations has an access token and a refresh token, where the access token expires something like you know, uh, every hour. And the refresh token lasts much longer. And when you when when the access token expires, you have to use the refresh token to get a new access token. Well, so um, the logic I had implemented for finding out when the access token expired uh, went like this: um, I uh, when when whenever we got an access token, the the OAuth server would return how many seconds until the token expired. And then I would, in my code, would add that to the current time and then store it, store the expiration time in a, in a table in a MySQL database. Um, and the MySQL, in MySQL, the date time type is basically year, year, month, day, hour, minute, second, no time zone. And, I was using the Python date time type to add 
the the duration in seconds to the current time. And I was using the version of the Python date time type that also had no time zone. So um, Saturday night, we're getting ready to get go off of daylight saving time. And uh, that, that that's, I mean, at, that's the time when 1 a.m. occurs twice, right? So because you, you fall back an hour. So, um, so yeah, the, the cron job is getting new access tokens. And let's say that the access to, you know, that, that the time is, you know, 1253 AM when we get an access, you know, 12 and, oh, and I was, and all of this was in, I, I had our servers set to Eastern time. So, all of it, I, I was you know, doing all the calculations in local time just because, well, I started doing that when I was 21 and didn't know better. <laughs> a youthful indiscretion. Yes. Uh, tying back, in fact, to the theme of last week. Yeah, right, so, right. So, um, so, yeah, so let's say it's 12.53 a.m. Uh, just to pick a random time. And when we're, you know, when we're pulling a new access token, uh, we we yeah, add add an hour to that. Yeah, let's say that access token expires in an hour. We add that um, and then yeah, store the expiration time as one fifty three a.m. in the database. And then we go off of daylight. I, I don't remember the exact detail, but you can probably see where I'm going with this. Um, well, you, did you roll did, roll did, back. Yeah. yeah. It, it, yeah, did so, did folks end up having to re auth? I mean, so what what was the, the so well so so I started getting I think I started getting emails about internal about errors in the cron job because it didn't know that it was supposed to pull a new access token. So I think I I think my workaround my immediate workaround was to to just uh, force you know, you know, manipulate the database so it would force a a refresh. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, I probably, probably the, the, the way to avoid this whole thing would have just been to work with Unix timestamps all the way through. Yeah. You really don't want to store anything in local time. The local yeah. time is a huge problem. UTC, cause UTC, you think UTC is, would have been fine. Right. UTC would have been fine uh, until we get to leaf nuggets, which we can. Ah, okay. I I will look forward to hearing all about that because uh, <laughs> I I have not been bitten by that yet. Oh God! I will. So before we get to leap seconds, I'd be curious if if anyone because it sounds like the, the, Matt the issue that you hit was a just a the DSP ch the, the change from standard time to daylight time that, that happens every year and storing things in local time as you say you yep. in indiscretion. I would be curious if folks because the the thing that was I think was really disruptive was the actual change to when we went on daylight savings time and went off daylight savings time in, I believe, 2007, right? I mean, it was, it, it, that was the, the what uh, made that, we changed that time, and that caused a lot of software to break um, because now you've got software that is actually in the wrong time zone for, for several weeks if it's not upgraded. Um, yeah, Jason, go ahead. I know you had your hand up for a long time. So a couple of things with that, though, I was trying to think because, first of all, you know, there's still two states that don't, follow daylight savings time period already Arizona yes. and Hawaii but even before that um one I'm quite familiar with uh Indiana didn't follow daylight savings times for years but <laughs> in the 2000s they started following it so you had a situation before they changed you know shifted the thing around you know nationwide where you had now a state you know where before it, you know never followed daylight savings time now it did so I'd imagine there'd have to be bugs just from that because it, and Jason, did you grow up in Indiana? Or did you spend time in Indiana? Because Indiana, if I recall correctly, was like county by county. Well, that was like historic. So it's like in the time zone database, yeah, you have like Crawfordsville and all this. That's for like, yeah, if you want to compute time like back in like, you know, you know back to like, say, 1920 or 1860, you know, then. But for, you know, since computers were a thing. You know, basically, most of the state, and this is also where it gets interesting, because I grew up in uh, Lake County, which is the northwesternmost county, which is, you know, where Gary is. Uh, it's by Chicago. 
Right. So where I grew up, as well as the county next to mine, were actually on central time and did follow daylight savings time. And so half the year, we were on the same time as the rest of the state, and half the year, we were an hour behind. Um, <laughs> which also made things interesting if you, like I have um, an aunt that still lives in Indianapolis, and actually the rest of my family lives there now. But um, yeah, so for half the year, you know, they were hour ahead, half the year they weren't. Um, but, you know, when they switched to just following daylight savings time, you know, uh, I just have to wonder if that didn't cause problems. Right. You know, that was before that. And Indiana is now all central. Is that, I think that that's like, – is it all central time now or, is it, or does it still divide the state? I, I, I do remember – like sorry, I, I, Indiana's sorry, not, um, well, aside from – and I think there's also a couple counties like in the southern part. But now it's all eastern. Um, it's well, all, eastern. all except for oh, the wow. ones that were always following central. Just because, you know, like, you know, all our TV stations came out of Chicago. You know, all our radio stations came out of Chicago. So if we we're always an hour off, you know, a lot of people would commute to Chicago. Got yeah, right. So right. It's, it's all eastern except for in the places where it's yeah. not. Well, basically, <laughs> like right. a little exactly. closer by Chicago <laughs> where I think right. there's you know, a couple in southern Indiana I've never been to. And so... But, you know, the biggest thing actually just kind of was a funny <laughs> footnote to that is when they did flip, as it turns out, there were a bunch of, actually, I guess some kids actually started a little business for a couple of years that go around to people's houses to change the clocks for them because they'd never had to do it before. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> Adam, do you remember, I mean, Jason mentioned the Time Zone database. And do you, I just remember us doing like out loud readings of this thing to one another Oh, Do you remember yes. this? I remember being fascinated about it. There was about a month uh, when we were working on Fishworks, the, the, the storage product that son that Brian and I worked on, that I think it captivated us all for, for like at least a month because there was, the, you know, there were, there was this period, I think I learned about it more in um, reading that book about the metric system. Uh, how, uh, the, what's the, I don't, I remember the subtitle better than the primary title. Oh, whatever, whatever happened to the metric system. That's yes. right. How America lost its feet. Uh, lo- wait, kept its feet. Hold on. Yes. Yes. Hold on. Wait a minute. Wait, exactly. What did we do again? Right. So, um, so I, I remember that book describing, um, a, you know, a bunch of standardization where, where the, where noon was, uh, different for every railway station. And so you had these micro uh, time zones effectively. But I remember just pouring through the time zone database, you know, seeing, you know, this island was, you know, uh, you know 12 minutes ahead of the other island and, and uh, just captivated by that. Well, there's so much history. It's like if you liked reading the encyclopedia as a kid, <laughs> I, I definitely did. Um, there's so much history in the time zone database. It's really remarkable. So it's, the, an en- it's an encoding also of sort of geopo- geopolitics as exactly, well. Like exactly. Totally. I, yeah. I, Ireland decides that they no longer want to be uh, you know, allied with, with this great nation. They want to switch to that <laughs> right. great nation. So they need to decide which po- side of the, the international dateline they are. It, it is fascinating. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it is really, no, it's a very good point. I mean, and the book that Adam is referring to is one. Cause you, you read this on Rick's recommendation. Right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So our colleague Rick Alpha recommended this. And this is like, you know, you have these books that kind of spread through a, a group like Wildfire that kind of everyone reads, kind of becomes canon. I felt like that way with this book, Adam. I think a bunch of us read it. I love that book. That book was so good. Um, I mean, relatively recent book. Did that book, so it, it's, it's talking about not just uh, the metric system, but the kind of standardization of all weights and measures and units of time. Did that so? In particular, that book talks a lot about the fixed calendar, the idea of a uh, of a thirteen month calendar where each month contains four weeks, and then that that all that adds up to three hundred and sixty four. So you have to inject blank days, one blank day, three quarters of the time, uh, two blank days, roughly a quarter of the time, and then I mean, Adam, did that I did. Uh-huh. I love that. I, lo- I, there were I wonder about that. Yeah, there were a couple of different proposals for for metric you know, for for different calendars that were different levels of standard, whether it was four weeks or thirty days, and all of them had this like slough to deal with, which I, I really enjoyed. And most of them were like, make it a holiday, like make these like days beyond time, which I, which I also really enjoyed. That that was their like, well, what are you going to do about it? Like, just oh. give people the day off. 
Okay, so and th- did you start to advocate that to others? I felt like <laughs> I, I was like, this idea is like zany, but I, I I've start like I kind of like start I, I floated it by the uh, floated it by, by by the kids and um it's in tr- I mean they definitely you, you sound bonkers when you're advocating a 13th month, but it's kind of interesting. I think that the problem is that like or under the it means that like if your birthday's on a Thursday, your birthday's on a Thursday for all eternity. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that part. Or or if you're like in this interslip period in a day, you know, land without dates, that you're always in this like holiday season. Right. You're always you're are and now like if you are someone who's like, ah, Thanksgiving sometimes falls on my birthday, but sometimes it doesn't, as it does with, with my wife, Bridget, it's like now you're either gonna always get nailed or always not get nailed. And I don't know, I think I, I think that that's it's intriguing. They do you remember why they didn't end up adopting it? Uh no, I don't remember there being like a particular reason. Well, it's like I feel like this is so telling. This is like such a software analog. Because there are, there ended up being two different schemes that are basically the, the similar. One was dividing the, the 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 calendar into four quartiles, um, and uh, each each quartile had so thirty, thirty, and thirty-one days. So each one had ninety-one days, and the other proposal added this thirteenth month. But they both had the same property of injecting these blank days and so on. And these two groups of people, of course hated one another's guts and so everyone is spending time like slagging on the other person's proposal and ultimately they're like all right we're not going down either of these and we're gonna just keep the calendar the way it is didn't kodak adopt that i mean i know it's more business which isn't quite the same but like is there kids but they, then they i thought they did like a 13 month calendar so the, yes, very good memory, Jason. Eastman Kodak. They, I just feel like it was it was must have been so delightfully weird to be like a 19th century billionaire, effectively, because you get to pick all these strange causes. And Eastman, George Eastman, was apparently a big like calendar reformist. <laughs> so he, yes, he wanted to impose a 13 month calendar. And apparently, this is like some companies still have 13 month or I do 13 units per year according to that book anyway Aaron sorry you had your hand up I do. yeah so there was two bugs I wanted to bring up uh, the first is there's a lot of things that go wrong during the second two o'clock in the morning mm. I ran across a bug where we had a system that was doing builds automatically and the whole process took about four hours and would start at midnight and it turns out if there's two two o'clocks in the morning you have some parts of your build happening on Linux and some parts of your build happening on Windows. Sigwin's CMake will think that things are in the past that are actually from the future oh, wow. because it's the second two o'clock in the morning and it thinks that the stuff that was already built wasn't actually, was actually from the future because it was done at one fifty nine of the previous two o'clock in the morning. Okay, okay. okay. this, this yeah. is exactly, Brian, why I think like... I'm not for DST or standard time, but just one time because anytime I was like programming cron to do nightly builds of whatever fashion, I just like, well, you know, I don't want to do it at midnight because my colleague might still be awake and doing stuff. And I don't want to get anywhere near 2 a.m. because then I'll run afoul of this stuff. So what am I, I'm going to start building it like, and then if you start pushing it to 3 or 4 a.m., then you start bumping into your colleagues on the East Coast who might be wanting to use it anyway. So you, you don't but like yeah, the fact so that the beauty of this, it actually built and released binaries that we had to deal with for about six months because there were binaries that were released in an inconsistent state into the world. Oh man! Okay, so, um, so Aaron, I, how many years did you debug the same problem? You'd be like, God damn it! I feel like I have debugged this problem before. Like, wait a minute! A year ago, I debugged <laughs> this problem. I feel like I would, it would take me like three or four years of debugging the same problem before I retained it. So what we did was the second time this happened to us, a year after the first, we added new rule to the build system that it would not build anything at 2 o'clock. Like, it didn't need to know <laughs> what things were what days of the year. It was just like, you know what? Two, 2 o'clock's a bad hour. Let's just not. Okay, so this is Adam's approach. This is just like... <laughs> right. just the only like, way would win is not to play. Yeah, hey, hey, kid. Well, stay uh, off at 2 a.m. But this is still my second example. favorite... 
Sorry. My favorite one was a bug that actually came from a contract I had, which was I ended up starting at a startup on Leap Day that had a standard language (laughs) contract that said your equity vests on the same date on the following year. Oh, Oh, no. (laughs) So the day in which my equity would theoretically vest was not a day that actually existed. And it was just like, hmm, that's... Get, so you got to read those startup I, contracts. I, okay, I, I take it from your light tone that either the issue was resolved or the company went nowhere. Clearly, this did not. You did not end up having to leave a life changing amount of money on the table because of this this issue. Did you get it resolved, or how did it, it, it was resolved by the company not existing anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I had a hunch that one, but that might be the answer. That's uh, yeah, that's pretty funny. Read that documentation. When I would, I don't know anyone born on February 29th, but I don't know if that. Like, I would love to know, I mean, surely those people have an opinion about being born on February 29th. And I can see it being kind of, maybe it's a special thing, but maybe it's a shitty thing. I don't know. I, 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 I heard a weird story once uh, from someone who worked at Bell Labs. They said that Ken Thompson didn't think that 24 hours in a day was enough. So he devised like a six-day work week and uh, 28 hours a day. Okay, so now is he, so this is an interesting, is he just going to ignore the sub and the fact, we're just going to like, I'm going to take the existing 168 hours and just divide it differently into days that I have invented? Is that what he was doing? Yeah, that's what the, that's what the story was. Someone who worked there told me, I don't know if it's true or not, but it seemed really interesting and he had weird hours of coming and going to the lab. Well, that would actually make sense. You know, I mean, that was like I when I, when I was actually first working for Sun with Jeff Bonwick. Bonwick worked super strange hours, and I was working on like a twenty-eight hour clock, and it was very difficult to have a life when you are not lining up with the sun. Because, and in particular, I knew the time I really had to shift things around. So I was like coming into the office at like five p.m. and leaving at like eight a.m. And I had a reverse commute, but I was turning my reverse commute into a non-reverse commute by commuting on basically the, going the wrong direction at the wrong time. So I, uh, I, I, I'm sympathetic with Ken Thompson's point of view, but I think you got to like, unfortunately, have to yield to to the uh, the sun on that one. Um, Simeon, I want to get to you in a second. I, on, on yielding, I, I want to get to leap seconds here because I, I do feel we need uh, to so. Simeon, you'd mentioned that that the unfortunately it's not constant. That the the Earth the 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 speed of the Earth's rotation on its axis varies with time, and we've injected these things that the, these leap seconds from time to time to to keep solar noon at solar noon. I, are are you? I mean, I leap seconds. I think are are pointless. I really think leap seconds are a problem. But I would love to hear the is someone defend leap seconds. Do you have an opinion one way or the other on leap seconds? Uh, I guess a weak one. I mean, it kind of makes sense. You you have a calendar that aligns with astronomical time. If you if you have slippage, <laughs> then uh, you know it becomes progressively more wrong. Okay, um, but it becomes progressively more wrong over like hundreds and hundreds of years. And also, oh, like, so it's it's just it's like someone else's problem. I that's guess. exactly <laughs> what it is. It's someone else's problem. Well, it's like, hey, like, who left the astronomers in charge? Why are the astronomers making it our problem? I mean, I, I, like, look, it's a problem. But it's like, why does it have to be, why does every software engineer have to deal with this problem? I don't care. I I, I guess that's what I wanted to mention is that Adam's in good company because, um, and and maybe there's some Googlers on the call who can confirm this for me. But um, a Googler friend of mine told me that Google has mountain view time. That is, yep. Which which is Pacific time without leap seconds because it was like, fuck it, this is too hard. And to me, it seems quite consistent with this sort of view that Mountain View is also the center of the universe. So, you know, why not? Uh, yeah, I believe that is called, it is called, it, it was told to me as Google standard time. So I would love to hear. Um, and I, I didn't realize that it was Pacific time minus the, the leap seconds. Um, I, it, so does, it does not respect DST, I would assume. I know that there's at least truth to this because Adam, I don't know if you've gotten our ex Googlers going on this subject, but anytime anyone even like comes close to something, having something other than UTC in a log, they're like, no UTC only. 
um, I feel it's like it, it, it's like you want to roll out, you know, the OKRs and perf plans. I mean, they, they immediately like lunge at it. So it's yeah. I Google the um, I did not realize they did not include leap seconds. I can understand that from a. I, so do you remember having this discussion with? We had a coworker who uh, also was a leap second denier and um, wanted to understand the source of leap seconds. It's under. It's my understanding that we don't totally know all of why the rate is changing, but a big part of it is tidal friction, I believe. Um, yeah, and it, it tends to also, so the, 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 the need to introduce leap seconds uh, is correlated also with seismic events. So, you know, the major, um, you know, tsunamis in, you know, in the Pacific has been, there's been periods of lots of leap seconds and periods of quiet. Right. So clearly something affects the rotation of the earth. You know, it, it is not really a rigid body. It's a fluid body. It wobbles. Right. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, de it's definitely a natural phenomenon. It's so a natural phenomenon. I, I, I feel Wait, you, ignorant here. So why, why no, are you they don't. so painful? No, but you, okay. But you obviously, you don't remember this lunchtime conversation that went on for weeks. This is where Keith wanted to blow up the moon. Don't you remember oh, this? Oh, I do remember Keith wanting to blow up the moon. Yeah, so uh, Keith is like, we're going to blow up the moon. Yeah. And I actually still don't have like a totally straight answer on I, – don't you remember? I remember you being like, well, I can't imagine there would be any side effects of that. I mean, that seems like a great idea. <laughs> That's right, right. Full speed ahead. Let's ship it. <laughs> full, full speed ahead. Let's ship it. Let's blow up the moon. I'm sure nothing relies on tides. And, you know, I, anyway, let's figure it out. The but then there was like, well, actually, if you blow up the moon, what does actually happen? You don't remember this again? We, I don't know, I'm sure you do. I, I do remember, for example, thinking that we could corner the market on like 25 hour watches and <laughs> right. then and then detonate the moon and then make a killing, but that plan never came to fruition. But the least seconds do matter because, for example, systems like Spanner care about timestamps to a significant degree. So if you yes. have one system inside of a Google cluster that is on UTC instead of UTC1, it's not actually going to be able to commit anything into Spanner because its clock skew is enough off that the entire rest of the system will disown it. Yeah, I mean, they are, and then, so Adam, I think that's the, kind of the answer to your question. I mean, they are actually really important. I mean, in this, this differentiation between what UTC and UT1, um, it's, it is... It is really uh, problematic, and, and Tom, I mean, is something you've you've dealt with as well. Yeah, not not too much, but you know that that was the prop the mistake early on in Unix was trying to track UTC, including the leap seconds, and do that in the kernel, whereas it should have just been a you know a constant timer off, offset by user level code somewhere, and so that that screwed up all kinds of things. Yeah. Um, and, and I would still argue it is the lesser of two evils because so most of the systems we use deal in cesium seconds, not geoseconds. So either you're going to have to yeah. keep adding seconds periodically or every single year NIST is going to have to produce a new here's the number of cesium atom decays in a second that we're going to use this year. And that seems worse. Yeah, but there sh should never have been a way to get the time without specifying a time zone, which becomes a user level presentation thing. All, all this kernel and middleware and stuff should, should always have run with just, you know, seconds since the epoch. Seconds since the epoch, yeah. Yeah, agreed. I assume uh, you mean cesium seconds, not geoseconds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's no such thing as a geosecond. Yeah, and even, even the way that you arrive at what is the universal time in cesium seconds is you know, it's kind of interesting. It's, it is determined a month in arrears by averaging 400 atomic clocks, adjusting for their altitude because of the, you know, gravitational well, you know, it's, it, this rabbit hole goes super deep. Um, there are yeah. time nuts who love these, these things. Well, there, yeah. there's a definition, there's a hard definition of a second, but it's just impossible to measure it that way, right? I, I didn't realize that the gravitational wells were an issue. I mean, of course. I mean, why? Of course. Why would I think it would be as, as simple as measuring a, a cesium second? Um, it does get relatively complicated. Oh, yeah, the, 
And then this gets really complicated if you're maintaining GPS and trying to tell the satellites what time it is so they can tell everyone else what time it is. Right. And that's where like relativistic differences come in. Right. I mean, the, the, oh, right, right. Yeah. Um, which is really get, gets very mind bending. So I, I, I personally think that the, the lesser two evils would be to, and we, we've been on a, a streak of not having leap seconds for a while since what, 2017. It's been, it's been a couple of years since we've, we've not had a leap second. Um, so I, I don't know. I was kind of optimistic that we were just kind of seeing the error of our collective ways, but I don't think that's it. I think we're going to see leap seconds. I thought they were threatening to have a negative leap second at some point. Okay, that I, at some point. Okay, that can we agree that negative leap seconds are out of bounds? That the Earth is either spinning up or slowing down, but it may not do both. No, I don't know. It, it, due to seismic events, it might change. I, I'm saying that I may be on Team Blow Up the Moon if we <laughs> if, if, if time starts going backwards. Yeah. If time starts going backwards, like uh, tell me more about the the newsletter that I, I will also go subscribe right. to the blog of the news the Blow Up the Moon newsletter. We actually did have a. Um, so the keeping time in and you Tom, you're mentioning kind of historic Unix and keeping time in Unix is historically really complicated. Keeping time in a software system is complicated because you need to have a reliable oscillator. Um, and the, you, we used the, uh, the, the tick counter on UltraSpark to, uh, to count the, the, the time since boot. But in order to do that, we would have to know the number of ticks per, per second. In order to do that, we actually said uh, written the code for this. The most reliable thing in the system was actually the TOD part. And so we would, in a very tight loop on boot, watch the TOD part roll over for a, a watch basically two boundaries in seconds, and we would measure it, and that would be accurate enough for NTP to be able to, to that was in, within the 64 parts per million that NTP needs. Well, no, that was very funny. So we had a, we, we replaced, they made a, a, a replacement of a different TOD part. And this TOD part, if you queried it too frequently, it would freak out and the seconds would roll over. <laughs> <laughs> so I get this call from the manufacturing facility and God only knows what route they did. I mean, they, they found the right person at the company. They're like, hey, we understand that you can help us look at a time problem. I'm like, yeah, I, sure. I, yeah, I'm the right person. Like, what's going on? And they're like, well, could you just log into the system? I'm like, sure. I log into the system and I run the date command. And it's like the year 2375. And I'm like, is it the 24th century? Like, what is going on on this box? And like, yeah, we're hoping you could tell us because time is passing very, very quickly. So then you run the date command again and like 18 years has passed in a second. And you're like, what is going on in this alternate universe? And of course, what's going on is that we early in boot, we hit this thing hard a couple of times. The seconds rolled over, and we we concluded because my code had no like check on this. Like, wow, this is a very slow CPU. This is like a three hertz <laughs> CPU, <laughs> and therefore time is now running at like 167 million times faster than it should be. Um, I can oh, tell oh, you. Oh, that I, I, I want to mention, uh, you know, IBM has, has had the virtual machine system for a long time, but one time they hacked it to do virtual time so they could run benchmarks, assuming things were running oh. different speeds. Very clever. Uh, of, of course. I mean, leave it on IBM to both, like, both invent virtual machines and then also invent the way to manipulate dirty virtual machines to make a benchmark look good. That's pretty funny. So I have other folks had, I mean, are there other uh, time war stories? Um, I, I, again, I'd be, because I'm curious about like what, if we decide to go to hopefully all standard time and not all daylight time, what would be the IT ramifications of that? Is that going to be, and also 2038 actually is another one. Uh, um, Adam, we, we, you, you made reference to 2038 earlier. Maybe it's worth describing that problem a little bit. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, uh, time for many, for, I mean, for a long time has been represented as, as uh, second since, since the Unix epoch, since January 1st, uh, 1970, right? Um, and as I recall, it was, uh, for many systems, it was stored as a signed value. So we have 31 bits of representation. And that rolls over at some point in 2038, Um which feels like a much more common pathology than than the Y2K problem. Now, since then, the representation has gone to 64 bits or 63 bits, or 64 bits signed, rather. Um, 
but I think there are probably a lot of systems out there that are still susceptible. At least that's that's my gut. Yeah, that's yeah, my by, gut. By too. the way, the 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 Y2K problem was a real problem on mainframes, where the 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 Y the year year day 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 format was very very common. Well, yes, and Didn't I one I, of the IBM chips had to year like in hardware. Aaron, you're breaking it for me on that. I'm I'm not sure if you're breaking it yeah, for others. Too, or not. Yeah. But that, okay, I thought totally one easy. of the IBM um, chips actually had dedicated hardware that was in the two-year dates. Uh, so, so the well, what you may be recalling, and, and or maybe you heard of this elsewhere, but the after Y2K, I was meeting with a, the CIO of a big bank who had told me that 45% of their Y2K problems came from a single platform. So you can imagine I was on the edge of my seat. Um, and that was from the IBM 1401. So the IB, in the IBM 1401 and 1410, <laughs> there, there were only two digits. But to me, as I, that was actually, it, it was an incredible moment for me because this is again in 2000. This is a machine that is, at this point, I'm an adult. I'm a young adult, but I'm an adult. And the 1401 is a machine that was too old for my father to have worked on when he was an undergraduate. So this is a, a machine, I mean, I, Tom, you probably never worked on the 1401, right? I mean, that is way too Right, old. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, like, it, it, it shipped in 1960. Uh, right. So this was, is like... But it was popular. It, it was very popular, but the, the fact that the software had outlived the hardware was a big aha moment for me personally of like, wait a minute, this software is still running in production. And this is hardware that is moments after the big bang of software and you you begin to or software this moment most of the big bang of hardware and you begin to realize that like wait a minute our software is going to survive in perpetuity this stuff is just going to not it doesn't wear out and so that is the uh, and I think that stuff I believe just can't work with a four digit year I think that they had to like actually rewrite it I don't think that which is like it's you know fourteen oh one software I think it's time to turn it off <laughs> time to rewrite it really. Um, do, so do not I, resuscitate. Do not resuscitate. Exactly. A little DNR put on the, on the 1401 for, for sure. Um, but and I'm, I'm sure there are other systems. But so, yeah, Adam, the 23A problem feels like it's real. I mean. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that Y2K felt real. I mean, it's, it definitely felt real. I'm sure there were real ramifications. But. I mean, it feels real and terrifying to me, but maybe that I'm, you know, by the time 2038 rolls around in a surprisingly short amount of time, suddenly, uh, you know, I'll sound like a, a crazy gray beard um, who, uh, who, who's living in a time when, when 31 bits was enough to, to store anything. <laughs> well, so why do I mean, you remember the Y2K hysteria though? Surely. Do you, I mean, yeah, no, I remember. I remember the hysteria for sure, right? Like, don't fly on Y two K. Like, pe you know, people uh, panic buying, um, you know, before it was popular. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, and I believe it was uh, China I, for China Airlines. Um, China forced all of their because state owned uh, um, airline. All of the execs for the airline had to be aloft at midnight on Y two K. <laughs> that's awesome right which is like no oh, you know what that's, that's a pretty good idea actually Why? no reason just no reason just, just because it's be totally safe to fly right because right. you have no y2k problems that's why you're going to be aloft at midnight um but i and there were i mean the, the matt's kind of elm problem aside there were very few actual problems but i think there were very few actual problems because we did focus on it so much i mean i think it's part of the reason we so with 2038 like 2038 is not that far away. I mean, Adam, we are much closer to 2038 now than we were when we started our careers. <laughs> we're closer to that than, no, uh, the, than, than now. With that, right? right? Yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> That's right. pretty That's scary. That is scary. Uh, uh, GP, GPS also has a um, it has a weak number. I think it's a ten a ten bit weak number uh, that rolls over every twenty or forty years. And uh, that's, you know, it's particularly funny because uh, when we've talked about GPS, um, you know, on these spaces before about, you know, how GPS really needs good time. I mean, it's like, you know, one of the four variables that, that a GPS receiver um, solves for. So it's kind of weird to build GPS with, a, you know, a time rollover problem built into it. 
Um, but that was, you know, it, it occurred in 99 and 2019. And um, I know that, you know, some airlines canceled flights in 2019 because of it. And, um, you know, this kind of thing persists. Like it's not just the 32-bit, um, you know, Unix epoch counter problem. It's really, it, it occurs in many different places in many bits of software. I cannot really see that it's going to stop. That, that, that's so true. They're, they're at least in uh, versions of Oracle up to 11, I believe, there was a transaction counter um, that had a similar property. I think their epic was like sometime in 1980, probably like Larry Ellison's favorite day or something. And if it detected that you were effectively breaking the transaction speed limit, which meant that you were like not going to roll over the 64-bit counter before 2020 or something like that, it would reboot the database. Oh, God. Um, so uh, some, some bugs in software that we had at Delphix would um, basically cause lots of transactions to pile up and, and break the speed limit, and they would have to kind of reboot and cool off the database until you had enough headroom on this um, on this sort of diagonal line from 1980 to, to 2020 or whatever oh it was. Oh, my God. Oh, I assume that that, that issue has been fixed. Would they, it, yeah, it's been addressed. And at the time, I remember, it's like, well, why don't you just not have a, you know, 56-bit number or whatever it was? And it turned out to be baked in very, very deep in, in the internals of Oracle. I'm missing some of the details here. Um, but it, it took a significant rewrite, I think, in 11 or 12 to, to absolve, uh, resolve that problem. Well, and it is amazing when you have these, these bit width limitations get very baked into binaries. So, so, I mean, this GPS weak number rollover problem is really interesting. I've not heard of it before. And you're right. There's one in, in 99, 2019. And then the next one is actually in 2038. So 2038 is going to be <laughs> what a year. What a year. People are like, oh, are you yes, kidding like me? Plan your retirement now. Exactly. Well, this uh, this was I, I felt like my master plan was I would always joke that like I'm going to make my retirement in 2038. I didn't know how. I don't know. Are going to rewrite binaries? What are we going to do? We, but it may be time to start get, getting going on that. We've got to start. Or maybe do we start with the hysteria now, Adam? Is that what we need to do to like – We'll certainly start registering those domain names because, like, you know, you, you want to hold right. on to those for the next 16 <laughs> years or whatever. 2038 is just not as catchy a name as Y2K. So it's not. Branding. We got to work it, on the branding. That's right, Tom. Yeah. yeah. It, it, the, the, right. There's a, right. Exactly. We got to uh, take something from like the vulnerability folks. You got to get it's all about the branding. Um, I um, also feel that it happens at a super weird time of uh, uh, the 2038 rollover happens at like, you know, three in the morning on January 19th or whatever. It doesn't line up at all with the calendar. Um, but that, it'll be, that one will be interesting because I do feel that it's going to be. It'll be interesting to see um, how much kind of cultural traction we have and how much people kind of model what their software is going to go do. I mean, the one thing is that it is it is somewhat straightforward to actually test. Um, but Matt, yeah, what's up? So I don't have a war story, but uh, I I do uh, have a recommendation about a, a short story about the twenty thirty eight. Yeah, the 2038 problem. Have any of you guys read the story uh, Epoch by Cory Doctorow? No. Ooh, no. So it's it's uh, the narrator, it, uh, and this this story was written right around the sun, the, right around the time of the Oracle acquisition of Sun, and I, I think Doctorow had a more optimistic outlook on that than <laughs> what actually happened because in the story the company is called Sun Oracle. Um, and, and so the narrator is a system administrator who's working at Sun Oracle around the time of the epoch, uh, rollover. And, um, and, and he, he is responsible for, uh, uh, looking after this, this AI that was developed by a research team a while back. And I won't spoil it, but let's just say that it involves the AI and a patch to fix all of the 32-bit systems out there. That's pretty great. It was, according to this Hacker News comment I just found, Matt, it was commissioned by Mark Shuttleworth. That's true. I, yeah, I'm not sure if that's as true as a Hacker News comment, but it's, yeah, wow, interesting. Um, by the way, I've got your branding for you, the Epocalypse. That's pretty, there we go. That's pretty good. Register the domain name, yeah. <laughs> uh, is it already registered? That is actually a pretty good one. I mean, no, like... 
haha, only serious. Like that is that is actually a, that's a that's a good one. You know, I actually really wanted to read. Um, the, uh, what is it? Uh, Vingy has got some like so- I would read science fiction about software, but I I'm not really into science fiction in general. So like I I would like science fiction about software that does not involve like you know civil wars and galaxies and you know starship cruisers. I, you know what I mean? I I, like, I want to read what is it? Is it a a, a fire in the deep? There's there is a a, a Walter Vingy book that, that that has like software archaeology at its root that I'd be interested in. This Cory Doctorow short story, Matt, may be right up my alley. I think that maybe if, if we can get to software science fiction without intergalactic warfare, I think that that's going to be. <laughs> uh, Brian, you know, I was thinking back uh, to some of the other Fishworks workarounds and pedants that we were. Do you remember uh, we baked in some, so we had some like Cron-like facilities in there for scheduling activities on the last day of the month, the second to last day of the month, and the third to last day of the month. Do you remember the terms that we used for those? Uh, ultimate, penultimate, and what was the, what would be the third? It was anti-penultimate. <laughs> anti-penultimate. <That laughs> which, is... which caused us to like resize that, that dialogue box. <laughs> <laughs> but like once we had looked it up, I'm sure we couldn't, couldn't okay. see it. And is I can't tell if your tone is boasting because you did it or accusing because I did it. I, I, I no, did, no, I, I don't know who did it, but I'm sure we were all equally pleased by it. I'm sure we were all equally pleased by it. Yes, I'm sure I, I, one of us did it. The other one wishes that they did it. So the, the, the boasting I will do is I remember in JavaScript at the time, at least I claim that there was no facility for knowing what time zone the the browser was in. And so the way we determined this was by taking that that time zone database right. and compiling it into this function that would say, okay, if the year were uh, you know twenty seventeen and we were on this island, you know then what time would it? Or if twenty seventeen at this time, then what time would you think it was? And we would play this back and forth to do this decision tree to infer what time zone the browser was in, even that's if it was right. in, you know, Mallorca standard time or whatever. Oh, that's right. That is, I think you're right. That's why we ended up doing the, because I think you wrote that code and that's how we ended up with the so, time zone database. That, that's right. We got into the time zone database because it was the only way we could think of to infer what the browser was in. And of course, maybe it was like some version of IE that we were working on, uh, a, 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 a problem truly older than time. And we, and we were living in such sod houses. I mean, we were the, the, because that was like very early. It's 2006, 2007, 2008. I mean, it's very early for writing things on the browser. And I mean, obviously Google and others had kind of paved the way here to a certain degree, but boy, discovering just how much was missing on that. Because I was, I, just as you were mentioning JavaScript, I was reminded of the, the fact of the, the fact that January is the zeroth month in, in JavaScript. It's like, come on, no, but that's, you're, what are we doing here? This is like the week start. The week day. The day starts at one, if I recall correctly, and the month starts at zero. It's just what a what a. Well, time is pretty frustrating. Um. So, Adam, I know. Speaking of time, <laughs> I know we want to. Uh, I know we'll be mindful of the fact that you're on uh, on childcare duty at the moment. So um, <laughs> that's right. Such as this, right? Um. And we uh, we were going to mention the top. Oh yeah, right. I mention now yeah. that um. You know, our, our New Year's resolution was to publish these uh, recordings as a podcast. Um, and here it is, only March, end of <laughs> March, and we've done it. So I'll, I'll post the link in a sec. Um, but the the first season, the 2021 season, is available on podcasts. And it's everywhere except for Apple because, like, Apple makes us sit in some penalty box for a week or something before they decide we have a real podcast. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's all going to be available and we'll start to trickle out the 2022 season as well. Yeah. And these have been, uh, it's been actually a lot of fun to go back to, uh, some of these past recordings. It's been great to have everyone participating. Um, so it's been fun to have that in, in a, a vector that, um, is going to be more readily consumable. And I don't know about you, Adam, but I actually listened to our past recordings when, uh, when driving, I find it actually to be, um, so I'm, I'm going to be really excited to not have to use YouTube for that. So thank you very much for good. Yeah, Brian, you're you're our number one fan, and I'm the number two. But that's not that surprising, <laughs> right? 
um, and a huge thanks to, to Cole Federick, who's who has been uh, done a ton of work on on show notes. Um, and the Adam, you've got the show notes also uploaded there as part of that in, in the podcast. Which yeah, so we'll keep on doing. We'll do the live shows. Uh, get YouTube up once we have some show notes. Then it'll make it over to the podcast. So just another step in the pipeline. And then as long as we're teasing out um, upcoming events, I think we want to. Uh, we want to update folks on uh, – we, we had our Tales from the Bring Up Lab in December. We want to update folks from our uh, Bring Up of the Switch um, and uh, some of the other things we, we've been, been bringing up. We got, I want to get the, the uh, E team back to do that. That was a lot of fun. We got, and we got a lot of – got some new war stories that we want to make sure we tell around the campfire before we forget them, although some of them are unforgettable. Uh, and then also want to have uh, Laura back. Um, uh, folks may have seen, but – uh, Laura Abbott at Oxide found another vulnerability in the LPC 55 um, that was on Hacker News last week. Terrific blog entry from Laura, but we'd love to have her back to this. Yeah, awesome week. stuff. Yeah, really good stuff. So that, that we get, we'll get, have that upcoming over the next couple of weeks. Um, as always, we've got other things that you want us to talk about. And your name is not Sam Altman. Please don't troll us. Um, the, uh, but we're always, always happy to, to pick up topics. DeJordan, this is a good one, I think. This is a, we got to a lot, of, a lot of good stories here. So, Thanks. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Take care. Thanks, everyone. See you next time.